the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's NMLS Consumer Access. The following program is sponsored by Reaching Hearts Ministries. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxen Tanko starts a message today entitled The Mountain Lamb. We hope that you've been enjoying these messages. You can always give us a call at any time at the following phone number, 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. Just tell us what you think of the broadcast and how we can help you. Again, 877-788-5371. I'll have that information and more at the close of our broadcast today. So please stay with us for just a minute or so after Pastor Mike's message. Let's get underway with the first portion of The Mountain Lamb. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko. Father God, we are living at the last toenail of human history in the image of Daniel 2. And there is within the world a hardness of heart. There is even among your people, Lord, a lukewarmness of attitude. Whereby the sacred warnings of the Bible, the inspired counsel for these days in which we're living, in many corners are not even being studied or considered of significance. Father, as a movement, this church would not exist were it not for the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. We would not exist. And Father, we were not brought into existence to do nothing. We were brought into existence to rise, to proclaim the message at Earth's history at this time. And Father, to have a clarion call of grace in the context of the mark of the beast that's coming on the world. I pray that you would take away a hardness of heart that would prevent us from being able to understand and have an open heart and mind to the Word of God. Father, what is being presented here today are not my ideas. I didn't come up with this stuff. I'm grateful that Jesus inspired these truths in the book of Revelation. Keep us, grow us, may we know you and stand on Zion's ground, on Mount Zion, with the name of God in our forehead. And may we not complain about it find in Jesus a path of grace that leads to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Patrick Lawler is a construction worker who was working in a resort town in Colorado when he began to complain of headaches. How many of you ever had a severe headache in your life before? Okay, I've had them. I have, every now and then I get a migraine. It's not a common thing, but it happens. As the headache got worse, he complained to his wife of a minor toothache and some blurry vision that wouldn't go away. So his wife worked at a dentist office, and the dentist was a friend, so they went in. It was natural to go to the dentist office where his friend could quickly fix him up and solve the toothache problem. The dentist took a simple x-ray and then delivered the incredible diagnosis to Patrick. At first, Patrick thought he was just kidding. He said, Patrick, you have a nail in your head. He said, no. He said, Patrick, you have a nail in your head. Yes, you do. And the picture proves it. 
He showed him the x-ray, and sure enough, there was a nail in his head. Six days earlier, Patrick was nailing a board with a nail gun as one nail went directly into a board, and the other nail went directly up his mouth into his brain. For six long days, Patrick didn't know that he had a nail inside his brain. When he finally realized that the dentist wasn't kidding, he broke down emotionally. He started crying right there in the dentist's office, I have a nail in my brain. He was quickly rushed to a neurosurgeon who took the nail out and saved his life. The nail had lodged an inch and a half inside his brain. It had barely missed his eye, and he didn't even know that he had a nail in his brain. The surgery cost $100,000. He had no insurance, but he's very happy to be alive today. He was very happy to have the nail out of his head no matter what it cost. Now, there are many Christians today who don't know that they have a nail in their head. They have allowed an idea that is alien to the Scriptures to be shot right into their head. It is lodged deeply, and they do not understand that they have a false notion of truth inside their head. But that nail does not belong there at all. It's an idea that is not from God. It's an idea that is not from the Scriptures. It's from the enemy. And this bad idea needs to be removed before it sabotages you and kills the spiritual life deep within In fact, many Christians have lived most of their lives and they do not know that they have an idea in their religious mind that simply must be removed before Jesus returns. Like Patrick, they need a surgeon to take it out and that surgeon is the Lord Jesus. Now imagine what would happen to Patrick if he was there in that neurosurgeon's office saying, well, I see the picture that says I have a nail in my head, but I don't want you to touch it because it hurts to address the nail in my head. There are people today who say, well, pastor, you open the book of Revelation and, you know, if you preach the general stuff about Jesus, but when you get to the stuff that affects the way I've been thinking for 30 years, don't touch the nail in my head. It hurts to take the thing out. But friend, we have to clear our mind of that which gets in the way of the apostolic gospel and that which intrudes into the domain of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So I would admonish you to let the Lord get the nail out of your head. In Revelation 13 and 14, there is a false lamb and a true lamb. You can't read these two chapters without coming face to face with the truth that there is a choice at the end, a lamb-like beast or the real lamb of God. And the true lamb in the context is trying to get the nail out of the head of his people so they can stand with him on Mount Zion. In Revelation 13, the Bible describes a lamb-like beast that arises out of the earth at the end of the persecutions of the Middle Ages. It is lamb-like in the context, but it is not the lamb. It looks like the lamb, but in the end, it makes war on the lamb. Revelation 13, 11, 12, take your Bibles, turn with me. The Bible said, Then I saw another beast which rose out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. Verse 12, it exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence, And it makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. In the context, this lamb-like beast rises to power around the year 1798 when the medieval church-state system, the beast from the sea, is coming down in the French Revolution. That's the context. It is the end of the 1260 years, and it is post-1798. 
It's the time for the woman symbolizing God's church to come out of the wilderness. The pilgrim fathers have come to America because here is a place in the new world where freedom sure can be found. It is a place where the Bible can be studied, where lives can be changed, where a future can be cast without the oppression of the old world. It is here where the remnant of Revelation 12, 17 appears when the earth comes to the help of the woman, the new world. It is here in this country where a group of people arise who keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus, and they have an understanding of prophetic truth at the end of the Middle Ages. In the Bible, a beast represents a world kingdom system. A lamb-like beast, in the context, represents a Christian kingdom, a Judeo-Christian country that is arising to global prominence at the end of time. The beast from the sea has crowns on its horns, symbolizing the monarchies of the Middle Ages. But this lamb-like beast has no crowns because it is a democratic republic based on principles of freedom, a division of powers that is arising at the end of the Middle Ages. The lamb-like beast has no crowns because it has no king. The lamb-like beast is the lamb-like power of the United States of America. In the context, this lamb-like beast becomes the prophet for the beast from the sea. In other words, the United States of America, based on Revelation 13, will use its global influence to empower an emerging world order, which will be a church-state fusion at the end of time. The lamb-like beast rises to power as the last superpower in human history. In time, the lamb-like beast forces the inhabitants of the earth to worship the beast from the sea, that medieval church-state kingdom that came down in the French Revolution that arises to life again at the end because of the help of the United States of America. That means there is a return to the old as the old comes to life again. And this country that we live in will be at the center of the struggle for good and evil. Revelation thirteen twelve says it makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. The world kingdom system started in the time of Babylon. It moved, it morphed through the four great world empires. It became the divided Europe of the Middle Ages. The ten horns on the beast from the sea symbolize that. There are crowns on those horns because it represents the kingdoms or monarchies of the Middle Ages. And then in the French Revolution, at the end of the 1260-year prophecy, it dies like Jesus died. The beast that is Antichrist receives a deadly wound. And the Bible is absolutely clear. At the end of time, there is a prophet that in a way calls this beast back to life that is instrumental as a forerunner of a world kingdom order. And that prophetic power is the lamb-like beast, the United States of America. Friend, the Bible is very clear. Religious oppression will come to freedom sure. So in Revelation thirteen twelve, it makes the earth and its inhabitants Worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. Who would think that in the United States of America that the freedom of conscience could be forced? Now, I would remind you that on the floor of the United States Senate, a senator from Tennessee took to the stand and he filibustered for 13 hours to get a straightforward answer from our government that they would not use a drone to assassinate a United States citizen on our own soil. And that answer was hard in coming. It was difficult in coming because we have experienced a shift in this country since 9-11. Who would have thought that the government would have a hard time answering a question like that? 
And friend, when you have a hard time answering the question, it's because you really deep down inside know that you don't want to answer that question. You want the option of being able to use that kind of force. Our country is shifting based on the prophecies of Revelation 13. Revelation 13.4, it says it deceives those who dwell on the earth. Revelation 13.14, it bids them. That means it commands them. It makes laws. Bids them make an image for the beast which was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Now, a beast is a world kingdom system. An image to that beast means that America morphs into something that resembles the old world that is emerging as a new unified order at the end. You can't tell me that Europe is patterning itself after the United States anymore. It's exactly the opposite way. The United States is now patterning its future activity after the emerging Europe. And so Bible prophecy here is being fulfilled. Revelation 13, 15, and finally, just before Jesus comes, it says, it causes those who would not worship the image of the beast to be what? What does the Bible say? To be slain. In other words, one day that question will be asked. Are you willing to take out United States citizens on U.S. soil? And the answer will be yes. Yes, for religious reasons. According to the Bible, religious persecutions will rise at the end of time in the United States of America. Religious oppression will come to freedom's shore. And I believe America, friend, is the last bastion of freedom in this world before the end comes. On the floor, as I said, the United States Senate, that 13-hour filibuster shocked the country because this country could not dig deep inside and give a straightforward answer to its citizens. No, it would not kill them on U.S. soil in such a manner as that. The United States, friend, is a lamb-like beast in the book of Revelation because it is a country that knows how to secure the gift of freedom and speak the language of freedom to defend freedom with Christian, Judeo-Christian principles like a lamb. It has a bill of rights in its constitution. The state is not greater than the rights of the citizen. The citizen has an innate right within the constitution to be protected from the state. A lamb-like beast is a Christ-like beast. It has a Judeo-Christian heritage. It's Christ-like and it's used to power. But before the end, the Bible is very clear, it shifts. It speaks as a dragon. The United States rebuilt Europe after World War II with the Marshall Plan. It poured billions of dollars into Europe and Germany and France. And then it left those nations to rule themselves. The United States defeated Imperial Japan and it gave democracy to its former enemy. And then it forgave the emperor and allowed Japan to grow back to greatness to rival our own country economically. The United States was in the business of fighting for freedom and then leaving a free people behind to enjoy the fruit of freedom. A lamb-like beast it was. Up to the present, the tremendous power of the United States of America has been a force for good in the world because it has advanced the cause of freedom everywhere. I don't know about you, but when I hear someone saying that the United States historically has been an oppressive power, I ask myself, what school did they go to? I'm serious. What school do they go to? You go to Arlington Cemetery, you look at the men who laid down their lives so that this world could remain free, so that Hitler would not overtake it, so that the communist threat would not engulf the planet. I mean, it's with confidence I say, I am proud to be an American for the heritage that we have. We have a lamb-like heritage in this country. Up to the present, the tremendous power of the United States of America has been a force for good in the world because it has advanced the cause of freedom everywhere. 
Friend, our country is yet the lamb-like beast of Revelation 13. But just before Jesus comes, the Bible predicts that this country will transition to speak like a dragon. Revelation 13, 11, Then I saw another beast which arose out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. In the book of Revelation, the dragon only speaks one time. It's in Revelation 12, verse 10. He only speaks one time. The Bible says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah or Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He accuses them day and night before our God. The accuser is identified contextually as the dragon. He accuses God's people. When he speaks, he accuses them. And the Bible is clear. This country, Freedom Shore, where the Pilgrim Fathers came to build a city on a hill, that within this country an image to that medieval beast will be established. There will be a morphing toward the new rising world order, and our country will reach out to attack those people who remain faithful to Jesus Christ. Unbelievable, but yet predicted in Bible prophecy. When the dragon spoke, he accused God's people day and night before God's throne. Revelation 13, the Bible indicates that the United States of America will one day speak like a dragon. The state will overtake the rights of religious freedom and it will insert its will between that of God and man. It will turn its power inward and persecute a remnant that is faithful to Jesus Christ and that keep his commandments. And it will accuse them of political and religious treason in its zeal to establish a church-state fusion to fix the mess of the country. Friend, the nature of this religious struggle is identified very clearly in Revelation 13. It is a four-point deception patterned after the first four commandments in God's holy law. In the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments are given to protect your relationship with God. And I was on a plane flying back from Michigan where we had a lay Bible seminar for the Michigan Conference. And on my way back, I was sitting next to a young man in the military going to Turkey to serve and then come home, hopefully. And he told me he was pretty much afraid. He said he was studying religion and that he was going through a catechism to figure out what's true religion. So he opened his catechism and he showed me the Ten Commandments. And as he was going through, I noticed the second commandment was missing. It wasn't there. The one that says, you shall not make into yourself any graven images. The one that God himself spoke at Mount Sinai and said, this is part of my law. And then we got to the fourth commandment, and it wasn't there either. It had been chopped up, and it was just a piece of it was the third commandment. And then the ninth and tenth commandments were nothing but the tenth commandment cut into two pieces. And I asked myself the question. I said, do you know the difference? And he didn't know the difference. He had taken a book that some scholar had written, that had taken the Ten Commandments and cut it to shreds, and that was his version of the Ten Commandments. I said, let me ask you a question. Where is authority in life? Is authority based on tradition, the church, or the Word of God? How far back do you go? He said, well, tradition goes way back. It goes, you know, to the apostles, maybe. I said, but how far back do the Ten Commandments go? To Mount Sinai, where the God of the universe spoke them with his own mouth. I said, now, which one of those would have the greatest authority? He said, well, the Word of God. I said, absolutely. So I encouraged him to take his Bible out, turn to Exodus 20, 1 to 17, and read the Ten Commandments. 
I mean, it's a scandal in Christianity that millions of Christians today have a version of the Ten Commandments that does not sync with the one that God himself spoke from Mount Sinai. An amazing thing. Now, this was a very honest man. He's going to get onto our website and check into our radio programs. And we had a Bible study on Daniel 9, the 70 weeks. It was an exciting interaction, but an amazing interaction at that. So in the Ten Commandments of Exodus 21 to 17, what's the first commandment? Let me quiz you. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, which means we are to worship God, right? So in Revelation 13, 12, what does the lamb-like beast accomplish? The lamb-like beast forces the inhabitants of the earth to worship the beast from the sea. So which commandment is that a violation of? Commandment number one. Okay, what's the second commandment? I'm quizzing you. You shall not make unto yourself any graven images, any likenesses of anything in heaven above, earth beneath, and so on. Let me ask you this question. If that commandment is sound, can we bow down to an image of Jesus and worship that image? Yes or no? No. If that commandment is sound, can we bow down to an image of a saint and worship that saint? No. Mary, Paul, John, anyone? No. So the Word of God does not allow us to come to church and to bow down to anyone but the unseen, invisible God. And so what do they do in Revelation 13, 14? They violate the second commandment. The lamb-like beast erects an image to the beast from the sea. What is the third commandment? See, some of you are pausing because it's getting hard now. I believe we ought to memorize those Ten Commandments. Some people say, well, Pastor Mike, isn't that a whole heap of legalism? Do you know how the Ten Commandments start? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. It starts with grace that brought us to God. Is that legalism? God's covenant is not legalism. It's grace. It's God's grace that gives us a focus to live for him. So what is the third commandment? I'll give you time to work on it, you see. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And we have so many translations out there that we'll go with a paraphrase. That's okay. In Revelation 13, 17, the lamb-like beast causes the inhabitants of the earth to reverence the name and number of the beast from the sea. So instead of God's name, it's the beast's name. So in principle, what commandment is that an attack upon? The third commandment. So commandment number one, commandment number two, commandment number three. Now there are four commandments in the Decalogue of the Ten Commandments that affect our relationship with God. And all four of these commandments are directly assaulted in the Mark of the Beast challenge at the end. Commandment number four, what does it say? It's a little long. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. What does it say? Six days shall you labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, or your cattle, or the sojourner who is within your gates. Why? Verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now let's just pause there and look at that commandment. How many times have you heard a well-meaning Christian say, if you keep the seventh day of the fourth commandment, you're a legalist? Anybody ever hear that? Okay, some of the folk who have come into our church recently have heard it from their friends. Now, look at that commandment. It says, God blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. 
If God blesses you, is God being legalistic? Come on. Is he being legalistic? If someone accuses you of legalism, when you have accepted by faith God's blessing, are you a legalist? No. Now look what else it says. It says it's the Sabbath of the Lord your God. Many Christians will say, well, I keep my Sabbath in the day I choose. Well, that may be nice and fine for them, but does that make it the Sabbath of the Lord your God? No, it doesn't make it the Sabbath of the Lord your God at all. You tell your wife, honey, I'm picking the day I want to for our honeymoon. I mean, our anniversary. Forget the day we're married. Just the day I choose is good enough, right? And you'll be sleeping in the doghouse for a few years so you resolve that difficulty. It is not legalism to remember God on His terms, in His way, and to receive His blessing by faith. It's not legalism. And it's not legalism to refuse to surrender the truth for tradition. In Exodus 31, 13 to 17, God defined the Sabbath as intricately connected to his covenant. It says, Say to the people of Israel, You shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Let me ask another question. Is it legalism to know God? Yes or no? What is the purpose for the Sabbath? According to the verse we've just read, God says, I gave them my Sabbath so that they might know me. The Sabbath is a bulwark against legalism. The Sabbath is a bulwark against a false theology and a false religion that would take you away from the living God. The Sabbath keeps the nail out of your head. It is God's way of keeping you in close covenant relationship with him. Thanks for listening today. That will conclude the first portion of The Mountain Lamb. Today's Reaching Your Heart. If you'd like to listen to this broadcast again, it's available for you at reachingyourheart.com on the Internet. You can find it under the broadcast schedule. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. If you can help with a contribution, our address is 15300 Spencerville Court Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. That's Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court, Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. And thank you so much for your support. We hope you'll join us again tomorrow for another edition of Reaching Your Heart. Until then, don't forget you can listen to all of these messages at reachingyourheart.com. For Pastor Michael Oxentenko and everyone here, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.